Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery now available in Regina and Saskatoon at saspeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. I love it. A presentation of threedownnation.com. We are the internet's only CFL podcast. Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual, and I know, yes, that intro was a bold-faced lie, <laughs> but it is in honor of the podcast that has, in part, inspired this program, and that is uh, the now-defunct shutdown full cast of Banner Society, previously SB Nation. Um, we've chatted about them a little bit on the show in the past. We've made references to them in the past. I know especially when a uh, friend of the show, Dan Plaster, is on for John. Right. As he is the one that got me into the shutdown full cast. Um, it's just, it was just, a, it was an interesting week as we learned uh, Vox Media has, during this whole COVID-19 thing has decided to use it as an opportunity to slash a whole bunch of staff from SB Nation and Banner Society. Mm-hmm. And that included half of the shutdown full cast and included basically half of their other, their sister podcast, PAPN. Another good podcast, but not really an inspiration for this one because they're far more serious and, you know, understand they, football at a level that most of us can't comprehend. It's true. They don't, they're, <laughs> they're not so much into embracing the dumb like, like no. us and where we get that from being shut down full cast. Exactly. And so, yeah, Spencer Hall and Jason Kirk were both let go for temporarily for three months. Um, but I think we're all pretty much understanding that that's probably the end of it. I don't foresee a world where Vox brings most of these guys back at this point, unfortunately. So uh, well, that that intro was in in I guess in memory in memory of what was the shutdown forecast. Well, well, and I think too, I think you gotta gotta keep that going, Joel, because I mean that is that's a terrific intro. Uh, you used to always kind of just subtly nod to it with your yes. little welcome, but now you have to continue doing it just as over the top because your old like welcome was you know it was it was a nod, and now that the the podcast is gone, I think you got to go like completely full out. And you're right, I don't think they're coming back because as you and I were discussing, they kind of went out in their last episode burning bridges with atomic fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I I. I did things you know pretty well with the bridge burning when i left my last radio employer you know sending like time well not actual time bombs across the office but like telling people things that actually made me unhappy that i knew they'd bring up like two or three months later i did that a lot um and these guys were basically just like boom if you even if you if If, if your podcast palette is full listen to the last episode and just go wow these guys are pissed yeah even uh, Ryan and Holly, who have escaped the furlough for now, were also uh, not exactly mincing their words, even though they remain employed by uh, Vox Me at this point. And the part that stuck out for me was the really interesting part where Ryan's telling the story of a discussion he had with someone at Vox Media about their podcast, because they did basically a whole, you know, ask me anything. They had like a document up where you can ask questions, the whole thing before they recorded. Right. 
And the, the question is centered around basically, you know, have, was did anyone of Vox Media ever talk to you about the podcast? And for the most part, the answer was no. They were basically, thankfully, free to do whatever they want with it, which was amazing. Right. It led to, if you have time to go back and listen to the last catalog, even the last couple of years, I'd highly recommend it. If you're a college football fan or you're looking to get in college football and understand um, the side of college football that isn't just the top power five schools, this is the place to do it. PAPN as well. And... It was it was a fascinating conversation that Ryan brought us in on a little bit because they said they felt the shutdown full cast was too insider. There's too many inside jokes. People just couldn't pick it up midstream, even right. though that's a boldface lie because Dan Plaster and I both picked it up midstream and we turned out fine with it. So right. I mean, it's not impossible. You have to understand college football, but that's true of any college football pro- podcast because that's that's the niche. That's what they were targeting. Well, and, and that's and that's like with us at the CFL. You have to have exactly. an understanding of the CFL to enjoy what the hell we're talking about. Exactly. If we were so owned by some big company and they're like, oh, I mean, you know. And so they, they pointed to this unnamed Vox guy, pointed to a tweet from Spencer Hall that was promoting a show at one point that they did, I believe in Jacksonville. And, or it was Berman, it doesn't matter where it was. Anyway. And it was a picture, it was because the, because the show was taking place at a karaoke bar, it was a photoshopped picture of Nick Saban doing karaoke <laughs> and the box media guy says see who is that who is that <laughs> that's only like the most popular name and face in all of college football if you don't know who that is that's not a show problem that's a you problem that oh, you're not certain. understanding what this show was about and shows how completely out of touch vox media who acquired this group was with the entire operation yeah I... <laughs> you don't know that that, like... that that would be like if Someone, yeah, basically someone bought Three Down Nation, like, oh, I don't know, who this tweet, and it's Bo Levi Mitchell, and they're like, who's that? Right. Right? Like, come I, on. <laughs> I, I mean, my, my interest in college football is growing largely because of my relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even, even if you had a very rudimentary understanding of college football, you would know who Nick Saban is. And that's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> leading to the seasons before, you know, you and I have been friends, uh, and you and I have watched games together, um, I still knew who Nick Saban was, and I think I watched maybe, like, BCS championship every year. Yeah, because he was in like games. He was in at least half of the national championships for the last like ten years. Exactly. So yeah, I, even I knew who Nick Saban was. So clearly, wow, they uh, they must have really dug up this guy under a rock that uh, that knew nothing. Yeah, it, it was it was a remarkable conversation. Yes, if you are into uh, bridge burnings, it is, it is a fantastic listen, and I would highly recommend listening to it as much as you possibly can. Um, through the back catalog, everything. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful for a return of it of some kind someday. I know Jason's already got another side project going on that I'm, I'll probably check out. I don't really know what it has to do with yet, but there'll be something out there at least from one of them. Um, so yeah, I just, I just hope there's some kind of return for them at some point because it was such, it was such a fun listen and it was such a distraction from everything all the time. And I know everyone does a podcast these days and there's billions of podcasts out there and they're like the it thing right now, but listenership still yeah. isn't that huge for podcasts, like really in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's all about a loyal listenership and they had it. And this is, right. this is the other side that Fox, I don't think quite wrapped their heads around this yet was so Ryan actually divulged their numbers on the episode, yeah. which I thought was fascinating. He said, Oh, we are about 16 to 19,000 a week, which is actually a pretty good number for podcasts. It's a huge number for podcasts. It's a huge number. So like, I believe it puts them in a pretty high percentage of, you know, podcasts in the United States. Forget college football. Forget sports just in general. Yeah. And just the stories that came out after, you know, how loyal this audience is. If you can get that number every week, 
The fact that maybe it wasn't working for your business wasn't the podcast's problem. It was your inability to sell a loyal audience. That is crazy for this podcast because they're two of their main sponsors have uh, put up products for sale now to basically support all the Vox Media guys, or at least the Banner Society guys that have been furloughed through this, and they're, like, selling these t-shirts and hats hand over fist to support them. So, crazy. Way to go, Vox. You blew it. Yeah. Well, see, it's funny. You know, you look at the loyal listener base. Here we are with, you know, a decent number of listeners per week or per whenever we put it out. And, uh, you know, you talk to loyal listeners. I can't even get my father-in-law to listen to this thing. So, uh, <laughs> And he's a football impressive. fan. So, <laughs> Exactly. He's a football fan and one of the best humans you'll ever meet, right? Yeah. So, I, and I mean, like, realistically, like, I understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, this isn't a shot at a podcast audience. Let's, like, let's be real here. You know, we all, everyone picks a handful, a few, a couple that they listen to because, frankly, who has the time to sit down and listen to every single podcast about a topic they like? So if you can get, you know, between 15 and 20,000 people a week listening to your podcast, that company really should have done a better job monetizing it. No, 1 million percent. I'm with you all the way. It's, of course, draft week in the world of football. I guess draft two weeks, technically. Um, Yes. The NFL draft happened. The CFL draft will be happening. We're going to get into all of that as usual. But as, uh, as usual, John, before we get into all that, what's in the glass this week? Well, as I continue my uh, my enjoyment of local vodka and uh, pink lemonade, I'm once again going with the LB uh, vodka with uh, a little bit of uh, Crystal Light mixed in. But ha- going back to Sunday, one of the first uh, days that we were allowed to uh, – no, pardon me. Going back to Saturday, one of the first days we were allowed to you know see other family members and get out of our houses and have a barbecue. Went over to the uh, mother and father-in-laws and wisely picked up the Rebellion Variety Pack. It's uh, into the summer season right now, so you got mm-hmm. your Blast-Off, your Lentil in there, your Amber, and your Cerveza. So – uh, four of the, and again, it's it's one of those that uh, that if you're not even a huge craft beer fan, that's a great one to get that you can support some local businesses with. Uh, I would say three out of the four selections there. You don't even you can just like your regular beers and you'll enjoy what's in that case. Yeah, even the ambers are really nice, nice light, easy drinking amber. So if you like well, if you like that sort of style from the big guys, you'll you'll definitely like that one as well. Uh, yeah, for me, absolutely. I am. I'm drinking the beer, the official beer, I guess, of the uh, Three Down Nation Greencast. Three Down Greencast, that is, of course, the Pile of Bones White IPA. As, of course, yes, summer is here. and Or, yes. I guess, spring is here. I guess summer is not here. It just... It, well, it, 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 always, it, feels, it feels like summer because winter is always so cold, but really, it's not summer yet. Well, well I think, too, with, with, like, it feels like... I've got an extra summery feel because as, as we start to... You know, some restrictions have been loosened here in the province right around the same time that the weather has started to feel nice, right? Uh, it, it felt uh, very much had that summer vibe heading over to uh, Don and Bonnie Bohe's place, uh, you know, with, with the case of beer as they are, as, as you know, all jokes aside, I, I do love them both dearly. I kept saying to them, I'm like, well, according to the government, you're the only people we can hang out with, so we don't really have a choice right now. Yeah, you're stuck with us now. CFL draft is, of course, right around the corner. But before all that happened, uh, last week was uh, the NFL draft. And to me, the real story of the NFL draft wasn't so much the draft for the players or ESPN's numerous attempts to make us feel something for these players with their continuous stream of sap stories for just about every <laughs> single one of them that the oh, internet, the internet oh definitely God. had enough of. <laughs> yes. Oh God! Any, anybody? It, it was it was like you could find a sad tale for every like. I wish they would have had more stuff as an aside. 
uh, like the one the one kid I can't remember I was watching while I was doing dishes I was only half paying attention uh, but they're like hey this guy this guy he's a great singer as well and he sang a little bit I'm like that's awesome I wish I knew more yeah. about that instead of like his dead third cousin who had cancer of the eyeball that he had to dedicate his third season of peewee football to yeah, it became a bit much after a while, for sure. Uh, but for me, well, I, it was a really fascinating draft to watch, just because number one, just the you know the different, just how everything had to smoothly come together. Like ESPN did one hell of a job. Oh God, yes. with the actual physical broadcast of that whole thing, working that many different you know internet based connections and having their people at home across the internet and this host trying to bring it all together. When usually you're in a room full of people and there's this energy and you're able to work off it. There was nothing. He's basically in a room by himself talking to screens, and this thing worked off perfectly. I think Roger Goodell was hit and miss in terms of his little segments, but overall, it was a very entertaining broadcast and a very well-done broadcast, and yes. I would argue better than what the draft normally is, and it's, I, from what I've seen online, not the only one thinking this, that maybe the NFL needs to work more of these elements into their draft going forward. Well, and I didn't, I, I didn't think it was hot take city. Which was one no. thing I liked, which, which as you mentioned, the energy in the room, it's, it's hard to get into a spirited debate or get into making these assumptions on a player, you know, because you passionately feel a way about somebody when, when again, you're looking, you're looking at a computer screen or you're looking at a TV screen, right? So mm-hmm. that's what I liked. I liked a lot of the rhetoric was gone. Uh, yeah, much less sob stories, but... I mean, it was still it was still unique in the fact that okay, yeah, we all got hammered over the head with sob stories, but <clears throat> they still had a lot of pre-produced things for a lot of these guys, yeah. and I thought that was kind of cool. Well, I mean, I, it was so I, easy for them, and we'll get to this in a second. Basically, all the players taken were Power Five players, so it's pretty easy to find right. out the stuff on them and have right, footage exactly. of all of them. It's pretty easy, like yeah, yeah. I just mean to like being able to do the research and and finding out like. Like, a gluttony of sob stories, you know, was what we kind of came up with just because you probably had, mm-hmm. let's face it, as a sports reporter, that's kind of what you're looking for. And they probably had a local guy in every market say, well, this guy had this happen, this guy had that happen, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, finding out a player's hidden talents or things like that, right? So I wish, at the end of the day, they would have had a meeting and been like, okay, we have 74 sob stories. Can we, does anybody <laughs> have anything different? Is there anything fun about any of these guys? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like 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 again more about the singing or the, or the one guy with the with the protein shake from hell with like the seven eggs in it, <laughs> and like a gallon of peanut butter like like i want to know what these guys are having in their like protein shakes that i would never attempt like i love stuff like that but mm-hmm. yes yeah, truffle sob stories i get it but mm-hmm, for sure. like even even when you're sob story joe, joe burrow like you had the entire offseason to find out something cool about Joe Burrow. Like, like let's talk about his dad winning a Grey Cup or something like that. Like, let's like, uh, and I, I found it was rougher off the start. Like again, referencing the Joe Burrow pick. Like we all knew Burrow was going number one to Cincinnati, and I tuned in and it was like every one of the talk. And that was my fear at first. Was like every one of the talking heads was like, "Yep, this guy has the best action I've ever seen. Best college quarterback I've ever seen. You know, he's going to be the greatest." he's going to be great for Cincinnati, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shit, I just listened to five guys say the exact same thing. I'm like, uh, how's this going to go? And then they ramped it up. It just, it yeah, seemed it, like... It was just hard. Okay. Yeah, like, I get it. I get it for Joe Burrow was hard. Because what's there to say about the guy who had one of the best seasons you'll ever see in college football? 
right? Right. But, like, and then, and, and even I'm... even at that, like, I, I saw the numbers of, like, on TSN, like, they put out the, the numbers of the ratings, and it was the highest rated ever, and it, like, some of, you know, 900,000 people tuned in over the course of the 12 hours it was on the first day. And... <clears throat> And then they talked about how it peaked at like 8.34 or something. And I was like, okay, so that was about the first three picks, which were all pretty chalk. And they were going to be pretty chalk. We knew Burrow was going number one. We knew Chase Young was going number two. There's some little bit of question after that. But for the most part, that's where it was going to go. It was after that is where the draft got interesting. But that's when everyone tuned out. So (laughs) it goes to show where where that draft really does stand within Canadian interest, so to speak, but I, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit because I was like, once Tua went, I'm like, okay, that's the first interesting thing because there was some talk about what was going to happen with him because of his injuries, but Miami didn't make the mistake again, and then from there, I was like, okay, now what's going to happen because now the draft starts for real. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely, and I mean, as a my NFL allegiance is fall to Minnesota Vikings, and, mm-hmm. and uh, Packers Twitter for the first two rounds might have been my favorite thing ever. Well, Packers Twitter wrote the whole thing TV... because they didn't draft like a single receiver again. No, they didn't, which was <laughs> in, hilarious. In one of the like... best classes of receivers we've seen in years. Exactly. So, so what is your number one need? You know, you have a team that was a win away from the Super Bowl last year, desperately needs some talent at wideout, and they go quarterback, running back, two positions they're stacked at in the first two rounds and it was just like watching it burn was just oh it was making <laughs> my night yeah that, that was definitely an interesting move and the eagles going with uh jalen hurts was an interesting move as well yeah absolutely absolutely especially with carson wentz sitting there yeah i mean i'm not like, like, i'm not the biggest carson wentz guys like i know he's good and there's something but there's still something about him too that i'm like oh, oh, oh. Uh, he's fragile number one but there's still They've seemed to have done better when he's not in the lineup. Is the only thing I'm going to say about that. No, that's that's true. That that's. And then there was the interesting there... point that Adam Schefter brought up after the draft, talking about there are some thoughts within NFL circles of, "Okay, you need a really good backup this year in case your quarterback gets sick." And and that's which I mean, like, you know what? There's 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 some truth to that logic for sure. Well, exactly. Even if they are back playing games and, and depending uh, well, the, on the... The NFL is going to push as hard as they can to at least play in front of empty stadiums. Well, yeah. I mean, they've got they've got all the revenue streams in the world, but yeah. but you're right. Like, even if, if somebody breaks somebody breaks quarantine and next thing you know, you gotta gotta miss 14 days while you're waiting to be cleared from your COVID test or you're, make sure you don't have symptoms, then yeah, you might need two guys. I mean, it's almost like the CFL where you just need two guys because somebody always ends up dead every single year. Yeah, and so what was really interesting also about the NFL draft and how it applies more so to the CFL, I mean, number one, we know Chase Claypool and Devil and the, you know, the guy from Ottawa aren't going. They're not going to be drafted. Those guys are not coming no. up north anytime soon. No, I will say as a Steelers Especially... fan, I'm absolutely thrilled that they got Chase Claypool in round two. Um, I was pumped for you. Like I was, I was ecstatic for you. He is like, like the attitude on Chase Claypool, and I think I was texting you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see so many guys. You know, even looking back to Tim Tebow, that oh, I don't want to be a tight end. Claypool basically came out and said, "Put me wherever. Mm-hmm. I want to play." Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, put he's, put he's, me a wide out. Put me at tight end. Put me at slot back. Wherever you put me. I want to play, I want to play ball, and I want to be on this team. And you're like, okay, that's that's the kind of guy you want coming to college, along with his physical talents and, 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 and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, he's he's, he's been a piece of the Steelers kind of been missing that sort of that red zone threat, that big body threat. So I think there's a, an easy fit there, especially if uh, Big Ben can stay healthy this year. Um, but from a CFL perspective, 
the NFL draft was interesting to me, not so much because the Canadians taking and the UDFA signed after the draft. Um, it was interesting with the fact that I wonder how this could actually maybe help the CFL in the short term, the way this draft went, because of how few picks were taken outside of the Power Five. I don't have I don't remember it's the true. exact numbers in front of me, but it was a large majority of players were in the power were taken from Power Five schools, basically because there were no pro days this year, except for a select few that happened to get in before everything kind of shut down, and because there was you know there wasn't really the chance for teams that may want to to kind of beaten the unbeaten path, except for Bill Belichick who still took a Div Two guy in the second round, but of course <laughs> that's what he does, and the, the Patriots draft record. Just kind of speak, spoke for itself recently, not great, but whatever it is. Um, so could this, and this is the, all dependent on whether we get a season this year or not, and it's increasingly, you know, there's reasons to be increasingly skeptical over that happening. I think the question becomes, for a GM who's willing to put in the work and willing to really dig through some film, some deep film, could there be some diamond in the rough Americans available? And oh, I think certainly. the question over the next year or two, the answer to that should be yes, because, you know, Joe Smith out of middle Utah State, who may have normally been maybe a sixth round pick in the NFL, some team willing to take on a chance on a guy who's a little raw, but has some ability that they that no one else has seen, suddenly wasn't taken. Right. And, 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 you're, and you're bang on with that, Joel. You know, when you're not scouting in person, you don't get the benefit of seeing, you know... <laughs> BF nowhere state in Div three could have some freakishly athletic six foot six wide out, but plays a single wing offense, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could just have like they could have a quarterback that they can't hit. I remember when Rashawn Simon eyes played the brief appearance he made in the Canadian Junior Football League in the same calendar year that he was with the NFL Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a guy that had legitimate NFL talent, but was playing with CJFL quarterbacks that couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, right? Yeah. So that's or you're, you're on a team that has a revolving door of an offensive line or something like that, right? Yeah. Exactly, and that's where those guys are found. And, and, and as you mentioned, now you are going to have the time to go through, look through film, you know, work your American scouts, work your, you know, guys you've known forever that know a guy, that knows a guy that's seen this guy play in high school or, I mean, in college and maybe before that in high school and, and go out and see them, right? So mm. I think the teams that, and this falls right into the riders' hands. Yeah. You know, well, they, they've already started doing it. Like, basically, anyone they've signed this offseason has been a who? Right? So. You've had the odd guy that has some NFL pedigree. But for the most yeah. part, you know, we get the emails from Ariel, and it's like, uh, what? I've never heard of this guy. And, and again, it benefits the riders with the deep pockets that, you know, they can still keep people on the payroll to be watching film and to be, you know, looking for these guys because... Oh, I guarantee you, like, right now, without, you know, a lot of the scouts, you know, the, the scouting staff and, you know, guys like Chad Hudson, you know, the quality control guys who maybe don't have as much to do right now, they're probably just watching film 12 hours a day every day. Oh, certainly. I would, I would, I would argue the entire coaching staff and the entire organization is just watching film every single day looking for that guy. Well, and that was an interesting discussion, and we, this is the little off topic that they had on PAPN, where it was if there's college football this year, how you know how crazy and how developed are the offenses and defenses going to be? Because all of these coaches and staffs and these guys aren't on the recruiting trail this year; they're just at home watching film basically twenty hours a day. So they have a lot right. more time to self scout their own teams right now, which 
could make, and this is, I think it's applicable across football, could make, should there be football this year, could make some, for some interesting wrinkles, I think. Yeah, no, I would, I, I would certainly agree. I mean, especially if you look at a CFL season that may, like, I, I, and every take I'm going to have this episode is based on my core belief that the CFL season does not happen this year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I absolutely do not think it is going to happen, and, you know, until we get definitive word from the, because it looks like, you know, we're starting to see some early rumblings of that, you know, as Dunk said, we might see the bomb go off that everybody's a free agent next year, right? Which would be just absolute madness. But yeah, I, I, I think that, that, that a team, because you, you know the riders have the pockets to pay more guys to get their eyes on, you know, div three games and it's going to benefit them. And you look at a team like Calgary that's always drafted so well and signed guys so well, it's mm-hmm. going to be a huge benefit to them. So I think to me, the strong are going to get stronger. You know, the teams are going to be hurt are the Toronto Argonauts of the world that, you know, you know that they don't have a deep American scouting staff. No. Oh, and oh, with oh, like, well, I mean, John Murphy does have a network down there, so that probably helps them a little bit. That's, that's true. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Murph's network is basically all they're counting on, but I don't even know if they'd have, like, who knows with 102 regime changes down there, if they'd even have anybody sitting around outside of uh, Murphy's th- network, which... Yeah, they, uh, there, wouldn't, there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of guys on the payroll, but... Right. Yeah. And, and, are, those, and are those Murphy guys maybe talking to Jeremy O'Day already? That's the other interesting thing, right? So it's just... I think I think the next two years of talent that you're going to see coming out of out of the states is going to be. I, I think you will see an increase in that one or two season and done guys, but yeah, you know who cares? That's that's part of being the second best football league in the world. That's that's part of football. Period. Like there's right. how many guys? There's countless guys in the NFL that are like that too. So yeah, exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So we all get in towards it now. As we're working towards it today. Um, the CFL draft is, of course, on Thursday. We're recording this on Monday, so if you're listening to this on Friday, you already know what happened, and um, I apologize for being spectacular, spectacularly wrong. Um, well, that's fair. <laughs> one thing I do hope TSN does with this broadcast, because we are going, it is, I believe, you know, it's going to be, we're used to kind of the remote CFL broadcast, like CFL draft. This is not new to them. Like, the way the NFL GMs and coaches and everyone were complaining and moaning about this possibility months ago, not only number one looked completely tone deaf, but number two <laughs> was completely ridiculous because CFL guys are like, I don't know, we do this all the time, so I mean, whatever. Yeah, we're not going to be in the same room like we normally are, but whatever, we'll figure it out. It's basically the approach CFL general managers and coaches have taken to this, which is good. And I hope we do see, we do get a glimpse into their lives a little bit like we did all these NFL coaches and GMs because one of the most entertaining things I really enjoyed was all the, you know, seeing basically how they all lived. Because there was such right. a... And it won't be quite to the extreme in the CFL like it was in the NFL. Like, I can guarantee you there isn't a single coach or general manager in the CFL living in a house like Cliff Kingsbury's. <laughs> oh, God. Absolutely not. <laughs> that thing was like, one of the talks of the NFL draft. When I saw that, I was like, holy crap! I'm yeah, like, that, did, that I'm was, like, does that he was... live on the baller set? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Yeah, that was ridiculous. His place, and it, and then like, am I the only one surprised that you know that 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 not surprised I should say that Bill Belichick's kitchen with the dog in it uh, might have looked like it was off the it was off the set of Roseanne. You know, oh, yeah. it just looked like, few, like there, there was like your grandma's kitchen. Yeah, there was the extremes of like really swanky places and Jerry Jones's like spaceship, 
And then there was the other group of guys who were, like, in, you know, in a townhouse basement or in a room with no windows or in their grandma's room or, like, something like that. There was no real (laughs) in-between. Right, right. And and, and I'm glad, too, and and you and I have talked about this a couple of times, and you've mentioned on social media and on this podcast, like, at what point, like, coming out of this all, do we all agree that, that, that dressing up for work is stupid? Oh, it's incredibly stupid. Right, like, like you're seeing all these NFL, all the NFL head coaches and the families and the draft picks, all just like rocking out in t-shirts and shorts and everything. Doesn't make me think anything less. Like, no. uh, if anything, I think anything more of like the only thing I'm I'm thinking of there is Kingsbury's like he's got this mansion and he's wearing dress shoes indoors with shorts. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> well, who bad. who was it? I forget. Was it I forget which player was taken that was just wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or at Mike when they cut to Mike Vrabel's Mike, house, Mike you Vrabel's can see house. the guy in the reflection. <laughs> see the guy in the reflection, like okay, obviously okay. taking a a dump. Mike Vrabel disputes that. He says his son was just sitting on a stool. And there is a there is a no start. Of the, there, no is a, there is there is a start of the video. If you look closely, you kind of see him spinning around a little bit. So he wasn't actually taking a dump there. What you you don't spin around on the toilet? Not the way he was. Well, then I should tell you the things I did to your upstairs bathroom there, Joel Gasson. Okay, well, anyway, regardless of <laughs> regardless of Poopgate, the rest of it, like, when they first shot, when we went to that shot, I thought, so there was the guy in, like, the full, like, green man suit, but it was blue and white. Right. And then there was, I believe, I believe these are all his kids, because they're clearly a bunch of weirdos like him, because he's not exactly mm-hmm. a normal dude either. And the one with the mullet in the football jersey... I could have sworn it was just a cutout at first. Like, it didn't look like an actual human being. <laughs> and then they went back to him, and then he moved. And I was like, what? That's an actual person? <laughs> like, like Mike It was Mike incredible. Rabel, that was, like, to he... me, that was the moment of the draft. The other moment of the draft that I also really enjoyed was, I believe it was the New York Giants general manager. Right. They shot, they went to the shot of him in this big open room, all white, and for some reason, he decided, okay, I'm going to put this one Giants rally towel off the back of one of my computers. And that's the only decoration in the entire room. And it was incredible. <laughs> we didn't know if the walls were patterned or not. We couldn't tell, right? I mean, if you were, if you were the GM of the New York Giants, I'm pretty sure I'd uh, make the pads on the wall. You know, make sure there's no sharp objects nearby. So what I'm saying is, TSN, please give us the shots of these guys at home. I hope at least one of them is mildly entertaining. I brought it up in the three down green chat in the three down uh, nation uh, group chat. I was like, if TSN does this, I'm going to rank their draft setups. And I believe it was Ryan Ballantyne said, um, because he likes fishing, obviously Huffnagel is going to be on a laptop in a canoe in the middle of the water fishing. It's true. And it, you know, that would be incredible. And I just think it's, it's too bad that like, that we couldn't have the live drafty coverage because of COVID of me and you just sitting there drafting different beers and just getting smashed on mm-hmm. some sort of three down nation. So hopefully by the trade deadline of not this coming year, cause there won't be a season, but the year after everything's cleared up and we can just hang out and like stream us just getting fucking part of me just getting really, <laughs> really hammered. And you know, talking about the trade deadline or the beers we're drinking. Potentially. Yeah. So, as for the actual draft itself, I mean, to me, there isn't really, at least from a rider perspective, not not a ton to look forward to. Um, right. I, I think Haji wrote the piece well on 3Down Nation during his Canadian content series a few weeks back, 
that there isn't really a glaring hole for the riders. I don't think there's, you know, in the past you would say, okay, they need this or they need that. Right. And I wrote the preview piece for Three Down Nation. It may or may not be out by the time you listen to this podcast. I don't know the exact release schedule for all the team previews that are being released this week. But, you know, it was basically a general... They've kind of recovered from after starting in 2014, where there was a few years where the Canadian depth was just depleted so much that Chris Jones had yes. to overspend in free agency to make sure they just had enough guys who could start. And now you could say they have easily seven starters. They may have even eight or nine if you really want to stretch it. So to me, it's like, okay, you know, it all starts up front. There's Cameron Judge, obviously, on defense. You got Zach Evans and McKenna Henry's getting pretty good, too. And then you got the three guys in the middle of the offensive line. That's kind of the core of it. And then you can move some pieces around with Mike Adam and the receivers and the whole thing around that after that. And so for me, it's like, okay, all they really need to do in the draft, which... This works out well for them only having a first-round pick and then they don't pick again until the fourth round. Is, okay, if you can get some backups behind any of those guys that were listed, your core starting Canadians, that's good. If you can get some speed and some youth on special teams, that's good. They Even if they really want to, there's an opportunity for them to take a flyer on a guy who may be in the NFL this year, which is, of course, the Chris Jones special. One of them paid off in Dakota Mm -hmm. Shepley, we're still waiting on right. some others, but for the most part, there's an opportunity there for them. If it's late in the draft, they've kind of, you know, added some depth to the roster already. This is something they could do, especially if you were correct and there's no season, then there's really nothing lost this year. And right. so that's, it's kind of boring from our perspective. And, you know, as a media guy, you want to come into the draft saying, oh, you really need to, you know, you need to watch this, 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 this. I'm like, I don't know. They just need a bunch of backups. And that's kind of boring to say, but it's true. But, but I think this whole draft will be very intriguing because I think we're going to have a whole bunch of who picks when it comes down to it. And, and to me, the ultimate indication that there will not be a season this year is if you see GMs going off the board and going for NFL talent and going for Project Canadians, like like guys with a couple years of U Sports eligibility left, if you see those guys start going earlier than the fourth and fifth round, which we would normally see you know that these guys are my belief that there's not going to be a season right mm-hmm. i think this is the year that every single like i think jeremy o'day if there's somebody there you love in the first round go out and get them but i think in the fourth round again with my firm belief there's not going to be a season this is when you take a project guys you know the, you got to look at this draft year as almost bonus picks Right. Like, like even if there is a season, as you mentioned before we started recording, it's probably not starting till around Labor Day. <laughs> and you might have those guys back from the NFL in time for this. Right. So if I'm if I'm a CFL GM this year, I'm going off the boards thinking of this as it, it's almost like remember when the Ottawa Red Blocks, what was it, a year before the expansion draft or a year before they started playing could draft in that one round or they drafted a bunch of project guys. Guys yeah, they were allowed to take. They're allowed to take uh, basically guys a year before they're eligible. Basically, I think exactly something like that. And yeah. if I and if I'm if I'm a CFL GM, we've both talked about our guys. Like maybe there is that six foot six Canadian kid playing down at BF Nowhere State that normally you wouldn't get a chance at, but B normally you'd want to see him pan out for another year. This is the year you take him, and and again, I'm going to be more interested in the draft in, in that way, seeing the direction in which you know, the GMs go. Um, 
I would say there'd be optimism for a season if if all of these guys are like graduated dominant U sports guys or NCAA guys that you know for sure are coming to Canada. But if you see those guys coming off the board that are, you know, maybes on coming to Canada or maybes, you know, continuing their careers and not becoming police officers or firemen or something like that, that's where you know there might be a season. But that's that's what I'm going to be looking for. And that's what I'd be doing if I was a GM this year. Yeah, I, I mean, we could see a mix of it too. I think there could be some teams that take the approach of that they're going forward thinking that the season's going to start at some point. And there may be some coaches who don't believe that. So it, it'll all it'll all come down to philosophies and I I, I, st- I believe most teams are going to act on the thought that there will be some kind of season this year I think you would be doing your franchise a disservice if you didn't otherwise unless you knew 100% for sure there wasn't going to be a season and at that point they, right. there wouldn't really much point in holding a draft quite frankly so I think you still have to prepare like there's going to be some kind of season because if you suddenly if you think okay well there's not going to be season and act accordingly you're suddenly going to get screwed if there's suddenly right. is, football for some reason right and you're exactly right but but that's why i want to see even if there is all of a sudden football this season and you and i mentioned it with the riders having no outstanding needs this is the year to go crazy go nuts this is the year to get real wacky and this is the year to get real crazy and get some of those guys that may or may not turn out again dakota shepley right like i'd love them to see Take a guy you know you want and you know is going to play in the first round. I, I think you'd be stupid not to. Mm-hmm. But after that, again, with them not having a pick to the fourth round, I want to see every. I want to see like like four or five Dakota Shepleys taken. I mean, it would Those be far more that, interesting for me to write about after that's for sure. Oh, certainly, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just let's think of Joel here. Come on, Jeremy O'Day. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 